DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Barry Trammell is going to join us coming up in 30 minutes. What would be the repercussions if Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC? So I guess the first question for Barry is, what are the odds this is going to happen? The fact the story leaked to the Chronicle, it's unnamed sources. Eh. Then when Texas, Oklahoma, and SEC, none of them say no. No denials. Seems to up the odds of it happening. When Oklahoma State issues a statement, Oklahoma State, who's not involved, but doesn't want to be left behind, issues a statement saying, we don't want to be left behind. I think there's a lot more to it. You know, politics in Oklahoma, how do the governor and state legislature get involved? It's weird. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they, they've got different regions, so they answer to different people. So, yeah, they're joined at the hip, but maybe they're not completely tied together. They could be separated. A lot of questions to get into with Barry Trammell. What does it mean for the Big 12? At that point, do other teams, do other conferences feed on what's left of the Big 12? Or does the Big 12 go out and uh, try to pull teams away from other leagues? How does this uh, start another round of realignment? Do the Big 10 and ACC go to 16? A ton of questions for Barry Trammell coming up at 9 o'clock. Right now, it's time to talk jazz basketball with David Locke, radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. We're not talking jazz basketball. We've got to talk Oklahoma, Texas here for a second. <laughs> you're killing me. So if you're USC, you have to react immediately, right? No, you're USC. You can do whatever the bleep you want. <laughs> no, don't you have to call Oklahoma and Texas and say, let's build our own conference on the West Coast? Well, that's the problem. Oklahoma and Texas really aren't on the West Coast. I get why you could build a football league out of those schools and it would work. Building a conference out of those schools seems awfully far flung. And you've tried it a couple times, and for whatever reason, Oklahoma and Texas said no. So, yes, I guess if you're USC, you can call again. But I expect the answer will be no again because the SEC is guaranteed money. And this is not about winning conference championships. It's about money. What happens if you tell the Longhorns they get to keep their Longhorn network and then and the Pac-12? Well, I haven't had the access or to the, the books new, to whatever. do a deep dive into this, but I'm thinking the SEC might be more valuable than the Longhorn network. That would be pretty revealing. The SEC's worth a lot of money. It's about to be worth a lot more whether they expand or not. And I think the thinking is that if they add two more, it is going to be a gargantuan payday. And do they leave the NCAA? They probably don't need to because the NCAA uh, just came out and said, uh, you know, it's time really for self-government, which just sounds the NCAA saying, forget it. We know what we've done historically. We're here to put on championships, people. That's pretty much what we do. Carry on. Let the conferences handle it. Interesting. Interesting. How are you, David? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> All right. NBA questions for you. Question By the way, one. Did you really call me at 2:20 last night? But that was a, that was a mistake. I okay. uh, RSL played last night, and PK's on vacation today, so I had to get ready for the radio show after I got home from the soccer game. And I was trying to get your number out of my phone, and I accidentally hit the wrong button and dialed it. I immediately hung up. And it was literally like a few tenths of a second. So I don't think I woke you up. But, yes, it did register a missed call. But, no, I wasn't trying uh, to get a hold of it. I you. just was wondering. Two fat, I was like, don't you think I sleep a little? Yeah, you do. It was just a fat thumb, and it was a bad moment. All right. All, All right. right. We'll ignore your fat thumbs. What okay. do we got? Thank you. Before we get specifically to the jazz, David, 
NBA big picture. I think the last decade has been different than the previous 30 years. And I know with free agency, team building from 1980 to 2010, it changed somewhat. And the CBA shortened contracts. So it's not exactly the same, but it's largely the same. But you get to 2010, and LeBron at the Olympics in 08 meets with players in Bosch and Wade, and they put together a super team in Miami. In four years, they go to the finals four times, they win two titles. Kevin Durant, hey. Can't beat him, join him. He goes to the Warriors. They go to the finals three times in a row with Durant and win twice. They went five times overall and won three times. So the super teams are becoming the way to build a team. And Durant and Irving try to go build one with the Nets. And the Clippers, right, It's uh, they put their team together. But the Bucks, old school, the draft, fine and value guys, a trade here or there, they win a championship. Are they a blip and an outlier, or is there real hope hope for flyover, mid to small market, cold weather teams? Well, I think Phoenix should be a part of this conversation. I mean, they're really the anomaly here, right? That's a sense so that they went from non-playoffs to finals. All right, I've got two answers for you. Nothing in a conversation between you and I is ever short-winded. So this is going to be long-winded, okay? Hit it. So let me give you the first take on the box, and I think this is really relevant to the Jazz. When you look at ESPN or basketball reference 538, and you look at a team during the season, and it gives you their percent to win a championship, right? Mm-hmm. What is it usually about? 22, 25, yeah. 30%, right? Yeah. So I really look at the box as a team that could have won it two years ago, could have won it last year, and won it this year. Like, you, there's no, like – hundred percent chance that you're going to win a title when you're a great team. There's like a 20% chance. And so they went on their run and they had a 20% chance to win the title. And the first year they ran into a Toronto team that matched up beautifully with them and they fell apart. The second year they got derailed by various things. And this year they didn't see Philadelphia, who to me was the team that could beat them. They had a perfect matchup and they didn't have to see him. So I think there's a little bit like from a jazz standpoint, like we had about a 20, 20- two percent chance to win the title this year with the best record in the league and so i think you might argue that you run it back pretty similarly for another 22 percent chance because somewhere along the way if you take enough shots with 22 percent chance the pop a shot ball goes in you even might make a shot at that little amusement park thing where the hoop is actually smaller than it looks it you know when you actually chance and the hoop for a championship is smaller than it looks so that's the first thing the second thing are we good there can yep. i move on Go ahead. Right. So, so the second thing is I see the league in a, in a massive transformation that got stalled by the, con- the NBA TV contract blip that took place. And so what I mean by that is the NBA signed a collective bargaining agreement with tougher t- luxury tax rules with, where if you're in the luxury tax, you actually can't sign certain types of players, really restrictive to building massive super teams. You can still get two or three stars, but you're not going to be able to build anything around it. What we have right now is for the first time since 1980, we have four champions in four years. Since 1980, since Magic, the last team to be the fourth team to win in four years that were different was Magic's Lakers in 1980. That's a long – I know that you think you're 32, DJ, but that's a long time ago, (laughs) 1980. So I think we're seeing a – and – If you really think about it, had it not been for the TV blip where Durant goes and signs with the Warriors, if he had stayed in Oklahoma City, I could make a pretty good argument. We might have had six or seven champions in seven years right now. 
And I think that's a massive change in what the is going on in the NBA. This year you have nine or ten teams that are literally sitting here today thinking to themselves, gosh, we could have won this, right? Philadelphia thinks that. Brooklyn thinks that. Milwaukee won it. Phoenix thinks it. The Lakers think it. The Clippers think it. The Nuggets think it. The Jazz think it. The Mavericks are probably close to thinking it. The Warriors are going to think it next year. So I think there's the collective bargaining agreement that took place many years back before the new TV contract that if you took that that little TV contract blip that happened that allowed Durant to sign and you go back, we would have a completely different league for the last seven years. Last one. Are we good there? Yep. Okay. Last one is that the way the game is being played right now with the level of talent, like Devin Booker's like the 15th best player in the league, and he's capable of carrying you to a title. We just, he just basically proved it, right? Donovan Mitchell is what, the 20, 20th best player in the league, maybe 13th, depending on your point of view. He's pretty outstanding. He can carry you to a playoff series win. So there are so many. What, what's Chris Middleton? Like, is he the 12th, 15th, 25th? Like, there's so much talent in this league right now that it allows you to have players that can literally carry you to win games and win playoff series. Heck, Brooke Lopez dropped 33 in a playoff game. I'm done now. I'm out. See I, I, I like a lot of that, but what I really like is that the blip in the TV contract that sent Durant to the Warriors yep. masks a dramatic change in the sport. You might really be onto something there. And I think that's a change that jazz fans can wrap their arms around. Right. You know, if the title passes around to your point, you have a 15 or a 20% chance of winning. So you keep your group together for three to five years and maybe you hit, but it's not as frustrating as watching the Lakers win all the time. So I think jazz fans could embrace this on multiple levels. Um, and the fact that the TV ratings, I can't really tell how good they were. I think there's a little bit of fudging with numbers here because last year's TV ratings were terrible. So twenty, you know, up from last year, really. Yeah, they're still way down. Right, from, they're way down right. from two years ago. Right. Um, so highest share since 2012. Like that's an interesting number, but it's masking the fact that people aren't watching TV; they're watching on different platforms. Oh my gosh, that's the that's the reason the ratings are going down. There's never been more video available, and it's easy to point at Amazon and Hulu and Netflix. But my gosh, there are people out there, younger people, but there are people out there consuming an enormous amount of video on TikTok. I mean, it, it keeps fragmenting. Right. I mean, if you watch, if you look at the numbers on YouTube of game, have you seen the numbers on like a jazz, like no. Mavericks game recap on YouTube? It's like three million, like the short and condensed version of the game. Mm-hmm. It's crazy numbers. So as everyone watches, maybe I should, maybe I should do something about that. <laughs> what do you have in mind? <laughs> Maybe something. Okay, tell us tell us later then. Okay, thank you. What's going to happen in the NBA draft? Are the Jazz going to trade up, trade back, trade out? Should we get worked up about this? Will there be a, a, a player there late who is, uh, even though we don't know who he is now, is going to excite us when we're seeing him play in the NBA three years from now? Um. I've watched a few players. I'm actually beginning to think that this draft is pretty deep. Uh, one of our draft experts on the Lockdown NBA draft had said to me um, on our mock draft that he had more than 30 first-round grades. And so that was interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Um, and then I watched a uh, kid Preston out of Ohio the other day. Well, I kind of liked him a little bit. Like, it's interesting. He's not an elite athlete, but he moves well. He plays a pro game. Like, if you're taking that at 30, that's a worthwhile – like, I think he could probably play 15 minutes a night. 
Um, so, and I watched, a, I think, Moody the other day. I thought he was all right. Kid out of West Virginia, I thought it was pretty good. So, like, I'm watching some guys, and I'm like, okay, I think these guys can probably play a little. Um, the, the next note on that I would have, though, from a jazz standpoint is I might rather use the money for my 30th pick of the draft on a Frank Kaminsky, right, who gave the Suns 12 really good minutes in game seven or game six of the NBA Finals. Like, I don't think there's anyone I'm going to be able to draft here who's going to be able to play in the second, third round, you know, second round conference finals or finals in the NBA playoffs next year. And so if I can use that money for kind of an established veteran who's now on the minimum or close to the minimum instead, and I just go acquire a few second-round draft picks for whatever pick I might need, like maybe I'm trading that second-round draft pick for the equivalent of P.J. Tucker, you know, when it's time to add that piece during the trade deadline, I think that's the move that makes a lot more sense than drafting a player. Well, let me rephrase that. makes more sense, but this is like a 55-45. And if you have a player you really like, who you think, you know, can contribute. But it's like, if you think about Desmond Bain last year, who was a really nice player and a great pick by Memphis, I just don't think he was playing in the second round. Memphis had somehow got to the second round playoff. I don't think he was playing anymore. Like, it just gets incrementally more difficult, and those players don't usually play. The Jazz have been a young team for so long, and I think people realize they've gotten older. But the truth is, they have gotten older definitively, and they are in their championship window now, maybe they never get further in the second round. Maybe they win the next two championships, whatever. We can argue about that. But Donovan Mitchell is signed for five years. Donovan has four years and then an option. And there are plenty of Jazz fans stressing about Donovan's future. I get that. Rudy is 29. In four years, he will be 33. The key to Rudy is, at his size, he moves unbelievably well so i'm thinking for four years the jazz need to be all in on doing whatever they can do to win a championship because between donovan's contract status and rudy's age four years is what they've got after that i got question marks everywhere and they can't really be answered people can obsess obsess about them so can you elaborate a little bit on what because you seem to be going down that road when you just said hey, get a veteran, don't get a, a young guy and build for the future. Yes. <laughs> That's it, huh? I nailed it? Yeah, you're right. yeah, I think it's three years, not four, but yes. Okay. That, that puts Rudy at 32, and if Donovan, well, here, says, here's why if Donovan goes full uh, James Harden, then yeah, three right. years, not four. It's three years because the next stage – if you don't, if you, if it's not working and it doesn't work and you're, it's not going to work is you have to move both of them at the three year mark so that you can acquire a million draft picks for your next stage as a franchise. That's the trajectory we're on. The trajectory is a three year run. And then if you're close and it's all good, then you resign Don and you resign Rudy and you keep adding pieces and hopefully like, Hey, it took Giannis and Chris Middleton eight years. Right. Right. Um, and so, but if let's say, you know, it's not working out. The game's changed. Whatever's happened, da, 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 then on year three, you have you have to you. This is just in general. This isn't the Jazz specifically, but franchises. This is what you do, right? Mm-hmm. You evaluate, and then when you realize, I mean, it's why the Blazers have walked this thing too long, right? The Blazers should not have held this roster together the way they did for as long as they did without 
making some sort of move in some capacity, and now they're stuck because they're in the middle of this. Like, are we still running it back with Dame, or are we actually moving Dame, which then means we're moving CJ, which means we're moving Nurkic, and probably the real question for them is what they get for Nurkic and what they get for CJ, not what they get for Dame. Right? Like, if they're only getting Dame's draft picks, then it's hard to rebuild your franchise off that. If they can get a lot from those two guys also, then maybe they can, then it's time for them to just unload it. So, who can the Jazz get to fill in the gaps that they had when they lost four straight games to the Clippers and got bounced from the playoffs? Um, I think you're. So, I mean, I mean, I. So obviously, I think you 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 try to really resign Mike, and then you just have to evaluate a little bit on where you think Joe Boyan, Royce, and Jordan are in the mix because those are just the pieces and what their value proposition is. Um, and they're you know when Duncan Robinson's being talked about at twenty three million and Joe's sitting at eleven, that value proposition's pretty good. When Royce O'Neal sitting at eight, like that value proposition's pretty good. So you you know you may decide that all the value propositions are good on those players, um, and then it's very hard to change your team. So then you're trying to maybe play, like I think the the shift you might make is if you look at what kind of Milwaukee and Phoenix did at the end of their bench, and like Milwaukee did it with Torrey Craig at the beginning of the year. That didn't you have to be really careful because Torrey Craig was really unhappy in Milwaukee because he wasn't playing. That's why he ended up in Phoenix. Um, is you take the end of your bench and instead of having what we've had the last few years, which is me and Oni, Elijah Hughes, Juwan Morgan, and guys that you're hoping are going to develop and you're trying to hit on like 20% of them so that you can get a rotation player out of it for cheap, is you decide, I'm going to take Frank Kaminsky, Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway. I mean, names Bryn Forbes, like names that aren't really interesting, but in case of breaking case of emergency, they can really play. And that also probably lets you lessen the burden on Joe, a 30 year old Joe Ingles, a 30 year old boy on a 30 year old Mike Conley during the regular season. So, you know, who's sliding to the veteran minimum, what young player do you think actually might be able to play a little bit that comes in and is, you know, like is Frank Milikina got enough veteran experience that even though he really struggles with a shot, if you had to play him for 15 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night, for a period of time while Mike's out because in Donovan's playing point guard, you'd actually be okay. Um, what veteran longtime 33, 34 year old player is now a minimum salary player that's willing, you know, to play us to play some role. And, you know, I have to watch the market to see what happens on that. Um, this is not one I would do because we have Jordan Clarkson, but like Lou Williams will probably be a veteran minimum this year. What other veteran players um, along the way into becoming veteran minimums? Anybody in the NBA really set up to be excellent, especially in the West, but set up to be excellent next year and dominate? Or it's wide open. There are eight horses at the top of the stretch of the Kentucky Derby, and there are eight teams in the West, eight abreast, and good luck in a race to the finish. There are three teams that are set up to be that, and two of them have, and all three have massive injury problems. So Denver's set up that way, and Jamal Murray's likely out for the year. Clippers are set up that way, and maybe Kawhi Leonard's out for the year. And I think that the Warriors are set up that way. But what is Clay Thompson coming off an ACL and Achilles? So the answer to your question is that no one's set up that way. And the Lakers are just not. Like, we have to admit, like, LeBron is, like, he's awesome, but, like, the games played issue is real. 
So is LeBron. And they also have a, and the Lakers have a really tough roster building offseason. Now maybe they're going to pull it off somehow in some way, and they have a whole agency that's supporting them, so that helps them a great deal. But like, do they really want to re-sign Dennis Schroeder for 18 million? And if he goes somewhere else, how are they replacing it? And what are they like? Their roster is not like very complete, which is why, because they've been in the tax and they've been in these various things and you can't, it's exactly where we started the conversation. Yeah. There was a moment in the NBA finals in the celebration after game six that really caught my eye. Giannis is at the microphone. The team is off to his right and, and uh, ABC ESPN reporter asks him something about the championship or whatever. And he turns to Chris Middleton. He says, Chris, we did it. His voice, the, just the satisfaction, and they cut to Middleton, and the smile that he had on his face looking back, that moment, so warm, so real, so fulfilling, whatever word you want to throw in there, it was all of those things. They were feeling what every Jazz fan wants to feel about the Jazz in a championship moment that every Jazz fan hopes is out there, and sooner not later. And I'm just wondering how much that resonates with players that they spent the eight years together, they took the beatings, the horrific defeats, and they got to the top of the mountain. Does the rest of the NBA absorb that? Old-timers, certainly the TNT crew, Barkley and Kenny the Jet Smith and those guys have been saying, "Don't you can't pick up and go. you got to stick and you got to fight. How, does, how do the other 29 teams and the stars in the league hear that moment or did they already turn it off and they went off to form another super team and they were texting their buddies about where they want to join up in two years well i think what is going to matter here is if this happens again right so is it a one-off or a trend yeah like is there just gonna you know do the clippers win the next title and then it's not that they did it but it's you know i don't know if that's a good example but you know or if denver won the next title with jamal murray and Jokic, then you have then you suddenly have you know you have suddenly this the same phenomena happening another time. So it's just a question of whether the super, you know, building a super team no longer becomes the answer. Like these players for a long time believe that the only way you win a title is you win a build a super team. And let's make sure that we're clear. James Worthy, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Byron Scott, super team. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Bill Walton, super team. Julius Irving, Moses Malone, like Bobby Jones, Doug Collins, super team, right? Like those teams all had three, four Hall of Famers. This is not a new concept to this generation. It just happened to be the, you know, so this isn't new, right? Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, four Hall of Famers. There is your quest. Get four Hall of Famers together at the same time. Right. You win. <laughs> we, got, we got two. If they had two more, they'd be really good. That would be great. <laughs> right? So we're going to sign we're going to sign Paul George and Damian Lillard in the offseason. Yeah. All right, let's go. All right, David. As always, See you, my friend. we appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. See you, bud. Bye. David Locke, radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. Barry Trammell writes in Oklahoma City. Covered the Sooners and the Cowboys and the Big 12 for so long. He covered them when they were the Big 8. Okay, I'm going to have to double-check with him on that. Pretty sure he did, though. Barry Trammell is coming up in about 15 minutes. Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Their smoke is their fire. There are no denials. It's just that we're not commenting on rumors and speculation. 
because we don't have our ducks in a row yet, but stand by. How did the Houston Chronicle get that? And Oklahoma State quit issuing statements. All of that coming up with Barry Trammell in 15 minutes. Stay with us.